Harry's heart was lighter than it had been in months, years even, he reflected, as a bludger whizzed dangerously close to his ear. He dove quickly out of reach, pivoted the firebolt to his left, and shot off toward the edge of the field, grinning. There was nothing in the world like a good Quidditch scrimmage, except maybe telling his friends every detail of it afterwards. Harry felt his stomach drop slightly, and it had nothing to do with the dive he had just taken through the air. The thought of going home from practice tonight gave him a very pleasant case of nerves. Ever since his birthday, Ginny had happened to be at home quite often after the tryouts, and she still wasn't tired of listening to him go on about Quidditch drills. She'd also been up rather early for breakfast a few times this week. She wasn't much of a talker at six o'clock in the morning, but Harry didn't mind. This morning she'd fallen asleep at the table and knocked over her cup of coffee, and Harry smiled to himself now at the memory of her freckled face squashed against the placemat. He had gotten rid of the spill and woken her. She'd mumbled vaguely at him to catch the snitch, and then gone back to sleep right where she was. He couldn't deny it any more. Something about the way she did things was really making him— "'Potter! You're out of bounds!' hissed someone directly behind him. Harry felt a lurch of panic. He had to get his head in the game. He flew forward slightly and checked over his shoulder to see who had given him the warning, realizing as he did so that he hadn't been out of bounds at all. Marine Knight hovered at his tail, an enormous grin on her face. "'Got you!' she chortled and sped off, her eyes scanning the grass for a flicker of silver and gold. Harry watched dumbly for a moment, and then laughed, shook his head, and concentrated hard on the field. The two of them were neck and neck now for the position of seeker for the Chudley Cannons. Knight was giving him a run for his money, no question, but he could damn well give her one right back. She seemed to share his sixth sense where the snitch was concerned, and Harry had learned early not to wait until it was spotted to race with her. The thing to do, really, was distract her until he'd slowed down her reaction time. He flew toward his team's end of the pitch very slowly, veering sharply twice to avoid obstructing his own chasers, and flying rapidly infield once to confuse an opposing chaser before the man could make a decent shot on the goal hoops. As the action headed down to the other end, Harry rose upward and hovered. He searched the grass, the players' broomtails, the sleeves of their practice robes, the bases of the goal hoops, all places where a golden slitch was apt to hide in an attempt to camouflage itself. Snitches were so tricky that it was hard to believe they didn't have brains. Harry knew that the little golden orbs were controlled by very specific, tamper-proof sporting spells, yet he had never quite been able to get rid of the suspicion that every snitch had a mind of its own. But wherever the snitch was hiding at the moment, it had no intention of showing itself. Harry shrugged. That didn't necessarily matter. He peered across at Knight, who had one eye on the field and one eye on him and knew she was too clever to follow him if he faded right now. It would take a bit more strategy than that. Luckily, Ron had given him an excellent tactical idea at the pub last night, using two shot glasses and a dancing peanut as his props. Harry had promised to try it out as soon as possible, and now seemed to be the perfect time to test if it worked. He flew up behind one of his team's beaters, Marty Gudgeon, who had been a seeker all his life until Oliver had taken a look at him on the first day of tryouts. Harry had to agree with Oliver's assessment, too. Marty had massive arms, was a naturally gifted beater, and seemed to be having the time of his life in his new position. He was following close behind chaser Feroza Newland at present, batting the bludgers away from her with incredible ease, not missing a single one. Marty, Harry said, 
in as low a voice as he could still be heard over the wind. Do me a favor. Every time you get a chance, aim those things at night. Why, hasn't the snitch come out yet? Marty grunted, smacking another bludger off into the sky. Harry ducked the follow-through of Marty's swing. No, but she's not easily distracted, and I want to make sure I have a head start. Help me keep her busy. Marty glanced at Knight and then nodded, and Harry swerved away toward Knight's end of the field. Keeping his distance by about ten meters, he came to a hover parallel with hers. Going to sit there watching and let me do the work? Knight bantered, not taking her eyes off of the field. That's right, Harry answered evenly, glancing quickly at Marty. A bludger was headed toward Feroza, and Harry knew that in a moment it would be aimed toward Knight, who, Harry was happy to observe, was deeply concentrating on the other end of the field. Harry pulled back another meter, flexed his gloved hands, and gripped the firebolt once more, tilting its nose down just a fraction in preparation. He heard a crack from the center of the pitch. A moment later, a bludger hurtled past just inches from Knight's ear, catching her off guard and sending her spiraling. Harry waited for her to recover, every muscle at the ready, and just as it seemed she'd begun to regain her balance, he dove. He cut steeply through space, the wind sleeking his hair and stinging his eyes, even behind his glasses. He fainted as though the World Cup depended on it, aiming for a perfectly innocent spot on the ground. He knew that if Knight had been undistracted, she never would have followed him, but as it was, he knew she wouldn't dare take a chance. For all she knew, the snitch had appeared while she'd been busy with the bludger, and sure enough, Harry heard the familiar noise of a Nimbus 2001 close behind him. He knew the sound of that broom by heart. Years of playing against a Slytherin team full of them had trained his ear. As mercilessly as if it were Malfoy flying behind him now, Harry came within an inch of the pitch and pulled sharply upward on the firebolt's handle, sparing himself a painful collision with the dirt. Not a second later he heard a frantic damn it from Knight as she struggled not to hit the ground herself. Harry climbed into the air, satisfied that she'd been thrown off her game, and nodded at Marty, who grinned. Another one, Harry mouthed, jerking his head in Knight's direction. Marty nodded and turned back to guarding Feroza. Harry glanced downward to see his opponent shooting away from him in the air toward the other end of the field, her face determined. Harry followed. When he'd come within twenty feet of her, she dove out of his way. He followed again, and Knight made a sound of frustration. This was precisely what Ron had predicted. She was too paranoid of him now to concentrate entirely on finding the snitch. Sorry, Harry called out cheerfully. Thought I saw it for a second there. Guess not. Oh, shut your pie-hole, Potter, Knight retorted, zooming away from him as fast as she could and heading for her team's goal hoops. Harry trailed behind her, feeling a surge of excitement as he watched Marty's bat come into contact with another bludger, which sailed straight toward Knight's broom. She swore, pivoted, and dropped out of the way, at which moment Harry fainted for the second time. He dove at high speed with real purpose. His fainting had improved unbelievably in the past two weeks. This time, however, he heard no telltale nimbus noise behind him, and so, before he could go too far and lose the advantage of spotting the snitch himself, he pulled out of the dive and circled back up into the sky. Nice try, Knight hollered, smirking. I'm not a total idiot, you know. I never said you were a total idiot, Harry yelled back and laughed when she responded with a very rude hand gesture. Knight! The voice was Oliver Woods. Both Seeker's heads whipped downward, 
and Harry saw Oliver standing below them with his whistle in his hand and a furious look on his face. What do you think you are playing at? Harry cringed and glanced at Knight, who had gone pale. She didn't answer. Down the field, Feroza had just scored, and Harry was glad for his fellow seekers' sake that the rest of the players weren't listening to Oliver just now, as he began to rail. It is every player's responsibility to treat this game as a matter of life and death, he shouted, going red in the face. Are you a professional or not? Knight opened her mouth as if to say something sarcastic, then shut it, clenched her jaw angrily, and nodded. Then behave like one! Oliver shook his head in disgust, turned on his heel, and headed toward the far end of the pitch. Knight muttered a few choice words under her breath as she sailed off in the opposite direction, but Harry also heard a noise from her that sounded suspiciously like a sniffle. He sighed. Knight was great fun to compete with, and it was never comfortable to hear a teammate get shouted at like that. It was with a strong feeling of guilt, therefore, that he suddenly dove. He had spotted the snitch. It was the barest glint of light next to Oliver's head, but Oliver didn't even seem to hear its silver wings fluttering in his ear. He stood there, arms crossed, eyes narrowed, staring up into the sky, apparently unaware that Harry was tearing towards him at breakneck speed. Harry concentrated his vision entirely on the tiny gold ball, but it wasn't until he heard Knight's broom streaking close behind him that he felt the competitive thrill that made Quidditch so enjoyable. He was half tempted to slow down and let her catch it, but Oliver's long-ago words about gentlemanly behavior on the field had never left him, and getting to play seeker on the Chudley Cannons was far too important to him to sabotage his chance in any way. He swooped so close to Oliver that his captain was sent sprawling to the ground in surprise. Harry stretched out his fingers and had barely touched one shining wing when the snitch fluttered rapidly upward behind his head. He whirled to follow it, lunged up to catch it, and closed his fist around it just as Knight caught up with him. Oh, bloody oof! He'd forgotten that she was right behind him. The firebolt and the Nimbus 2001 collided in midair with a crash, and Harry was thrown from his broom. He dropped into the muddy grass with a painful thud, and seconds later heard a thump right beside him. "'Are you alive?' Knight croaked. "'No,' Harry answered, squinting up into the weak sun and feeling no desire whatsoever to get to his feet and find out that he'd broken some bone or another. "'You? I doubt it.' A face came into view above them, blocking the sun. When Harry's eyes had adjusted, he saw Oliver, his hair askew and his robes covered with mud on one side, looking down at him approvingly. Harry released the snitch and saw it flicker its wings near Oliver's nose for a brief moment before it disappeared again. "'That's the kind of dedication I'm talking about,' said Oliver gruffly. Harry was glad for the notice, but felt it wasn't quite fair that he should get the nod entirely to himself, when Knight had taken an equal fall. However, he wasn't quite sure what to say. Well, we both, he began, but Oliver cut him off with a wave of his hand. Seekers dismissed. He stalked off, and Harry pushed himself onto his elbows, looking around dazedly. His eyes fell on Knight, who was watching Oliver walk away with an unreadable look on her face. Hey, Harry said after a moment. I'm sorry, he... you know, but I played with him in school, and it doesn't really mean anything. He's just... Yeah, Knight sighed and got to her feet, wincing with pain. He's just a... She stopped short, seeming to think better of her comment, 
Well, she concluded, at least you knocked him over. She grinned. Hey, didn't you say you have a friend that runs a pub or something? Harry got to his feet gingerly, feeling for broken bones. He was relieved not to find any. Ron Weasley. He works at the Snouts Fair. Why? Knight's eyes widened slightly when Harry said Ron's full name, and he was pleased to realize that his friends must be publicly recognizable now, too. Just thinking I could use a drink, that's all, Knight replied, bending down to rub her kneecaps, then shaking out her legs one at a time. Her maybe five. Does he work tonight? Yeah, Harry answered, remembering for the first time all day that Ron had mentioned he'd be going to the pub tonight after visiting Hermione's parents at St. Mungo's. He felt slightly guilty for not having thought about Hermione earlier, and realized it would probably be a good idea to meet up with his friends at the Snouts Fair before heading home. Stagden's not far, he told Knight. We can stop by the pub for a few minutes. Just a few minutes? Knight stopped pulling off her Quidditch gloves and raised an eyebrow at him. Who are you in a hurry to get home to? Harry's face burned so hot that he thought he might disintegrate. I, well, he mumbled, you know, I just want to get home and take a shower. For some reason, those words made him blush even harder. Knight was grinning. Yeah, I know, she said wickedly. Look, let me grab my bag and then you can give me the address of the pub, okay? You don't have to sit there with me if you've got places to be. I don't. Harry started, but he didn't finish. The truth was, he really did want to get back to Lupin Lodge. Thought so, said Knight, smiling as though she'd read his thoughts. <laughs> Be right back. Harry picked the firebolt out of the muck and trudged over to the bench where he'd left his own things, wondering if maybe Jenny would be at the pub as well. He unclasped his muddied Quidditch robes and shoved them into his knapsack, then tried to shake some of the mud out of his hair. After getting a considerable amount of it on Feroza, who looked like she wasn't too happy about the situation, he apologized and stopped trying. Ready? Knight came jogging up with her bag slung over her shoulder. I'm dying for a butterbeer, and I wouldn't say no to a shot of liquid curse either, after the day I've just had. Athletes don't drink. Harry felt his stomach clench. He turned to see Oliver standing off to Knight's left, carrying his own knapsack and wand. He was glowering at both of them. Knight stiffened. I think I'm off the clock, she said evenly, meeting Oliver's glare. Personal life and all that. Harry sucked in a low breath. He wasn't sure Oliver knew what it meant to have a personal life apart from Quidditch, and he didn't think that Knight was earning herself any points by saying that she did. Uh, we were just going to say hello to Ron Weasley, Oliver, he attempted. It's not a holiday or anything. It's just that Ron works there. You should come. Last night, George stopped by. He told me to say hello to you, by the way. Oliver shifted his glare to Harry. Tell him hello from me, he said shortly. And you'll both be here at 5.30 tomorrow. He disapparated before either of them could protest. Ruddy man. Knight seethed the moment Oliver was gone from sight. I love Quidditch. Can't he see I love it? I'm out there breaking my stupid neck. And damn this! Harry looked around worriedly. A couple of the other players were starting to listen. Look, let's just go, he muttered. I've been playing since I was a first year, Knight continued, pacing back and forth as if she hadn't heard Harry at all. A first year? Do you know how rare that was at my school? Harry thought he probably did. And I've played bloody, bollocking professional Quidditch for two years, she continued. Granted, I was reserved for the bats and I never got to play, but still. 
Right, said Harry quickly. But can we, can we go or something? Knight was standing right next to him, still muttering, but she managed to stop for a moment. We can go all right, she said testily. Give me that address, would you? Sure, Harry said. Sure, Harry said, but you really shouldn't disapparate while you're so worked up. You could get splinched. Harry grimaced at his own words. He sounded like Professor McGonagall. It was frightening, the way Hermione had rubbed off on him over the years. Knight sighed. I know, she muttered and pulled her wand. I'm fine. Just never mind. I'm fine. She took a deep breath. May I please have the address? She asked in a tone of forced calm. Harry smiled slightly. Yeah. He opened his knapsack. I don't know it by heart. I just know how to get there. Hold on. I have a map. He rifled through his bag, digging underneath his robes to find the old, faded parchment map of Britain that Remus had given him to use for apparition purposes until he was more comfortable with exact locations. He had just got his fingers to it when he heard a high-pitched shriek from halfway down the field, and then another. One by one, it seemed that every player on the pitch was beginning to scream. Harry froze without withdrawing the map. A sick sort of horror rose up in him. There was now a flood of screams, all of them mingling together in fright. It was an old sound, a familiar sound, a sound he'd heard a hundred times, and Harry knew that when he looked toward it, he'd see a dark mark hanging in the sky. Echoes of the war began to play themselves back to him with vicious intensity, one after another. He heard not only the screams of the present, but the ones from the past as well, from the war, from the very beginning. The sound of his mother's frightened pleading, which he hadn't heard in months, seemed as clear to him now as if her death had happened yesterday. "'Bloody hell!' Knight whispered, her voice shaking. "'I've never seen Harry turn around. Turn around! I, I don't—' Harry's body went cold with dread at the obvious fear in her voice, and for one sickening moment he knew he would pass out on the spot. But before that could happen, he summoned his strength and whipped around, stealing his mind for battle with a Death Eater. He dropped his knapsack and firebolt, pulled his wand, and gasped. Not ten feet away, there stood a Dementor. Of course, he thought blindly, at the rotting stench of the Dementor threatened to make him ill. Of course. The cold in his body, the echoes of his mother, all of it became clear to him at once, and before he'd even thought about it, Harry heard himself cry, Expecto Patronum! The silver stag on which he had come to depend shot full force from the end of Harry's wand, driving the Dementor toward the edge of the pitch. Clearly taken by surprise by the force of the spell, the Dementor seemed keen to find another place to go. It drifted rapidly off towards the forested area beyond the Quidditch field, but Harry knew he couldn't let it disappear. The Dementors weren't obeying anybody. This one must have somehow slipped past Moody and his overtired crew. Or perhaps it had never been corralled in the first place. If left unattended, Harry was well aware that it would only roam until it found someone unprotected to attack, and then it would administer the kiss. Knowing no other way to deal with the situation, Harry snatched up his bag, mounted his broom, and shot after the Dementor, his wand in his hand. He heard shouts behind him. Knight and Marty and the others were calling him back, but there was nothing else for it. He was going to have to drive this thing all the way back up to Azkaban. It wouldn't go back of its own accord, that was certain. And it had to go back. That was also certain. 
Harry only hoped that it hadn't met up already with any unsuspecting wizards and left them. He shuddered. He couldn't bear to think of what had happened to that boy's mother at the beginning of the summer. Expecto Patronum! The Dementor fled before him, but it wasn't a victory to Harry. The glow he'd found on the Quidditch field during the past few weeks, that wonderful sense of a return to something friendly and familiar, was wiped out of him. Getting this Dementor to Azkaban was going to take two full days, at least. He was going to have to drive it up the bloody coast through unpopulated areas, cast memory charms if anybody saw him, use up his energy on Patronus charms, and take no sleep. It was just like the war. Expecto Patronum! He drove the Dementor further into the wooded area, due north, and thought grimly to himself that it was a damn good thing he'd brought the map with him. He was going to need it for the next two days.